Hi, I'm Abby, a functional dietitian and gut health expert. Hi, I'm Jillian, a functional dietitian that specializes in women's health and hormones. And this is Your Body Has Your Back podcast. Together, we have over 20 years of experience supporting clients in healing their gut and hormone symptoms and guiding them from overwhelm to ease in their body. We help clients reconnect with their body and transform their lives using targeted nutrition, lifestyle, and supplement therapies. Finding optimal health in our modern chaotic world is more challenging than ever. And now it's our mission to provide you with the tools you need to strengthen your relationship with your body, to resolve your gut and hormone symptoms, and become your greatest health advocate. Join us for honest, inspired and offbeat conversations on health that will leave you feeling empowered to take action so that that you can can trust your body has your back. Hello and welcome everyone. So Does it ever feel like you don't have enough time for regular life stuff, let alone for self-care work? We have work, relationships, family, we've got to sleep, we've got to cook, we've got to clean. And that seemingly one to two hour long Instagram version of self-care doesn't seem to work for you. So you struggle to even make time for anything. Or maybe if you do make time, it might feel like you're simply just checking off the boxes. Morning walk, check. Gratitude list, check. Deep breathing, check. Rather than feeling like it's a true practice that really nourishes you. We totally hear you. And for so many of our clients, and even oftentimes ourselves, it's this can be a similar story. But we want you to know that your self-care routines don't have to be elaborate to be impactful. And we are here to help guide you on what those might look like. So we like to talk about these as non-negotiable habits for your gut and hormone health, but really for your overall health as well. So our non-negotiable habits are anchoring practices that are part of our daily routine, and they create consistency and stability for the body, no matter how hectic our schedules may be. These practices create opportunity to reduce stress and ground yourself by working with your body to better navigate the demands of our days. So we're gonna dive in to our guidance around creating your non-negotiable habits, starting with the bookends of our day. I'm gonna hand it over to Jilly to dive in. Yes, so the the bookends are always where we like to start. And I wanna kick this off by talking specifically about building out a supportive morning routine and establishing your non-negotiable habits that support your gut and hormone health to really kick off the day. And this is where we like to start with clients because how you start your day really does have a ripple effect on the rest of the day, both positive or negative ultimately. And a solid morning routine and really anchoring yourself with a few simple habits has the ability to lower overall stress, to improve cortisol balance, and to improve your stress resilience. Simple morning habits can positively influence your blood sugar response throughout the rest of the day, impact your energy levels, your mood, increase productivity. So simple habits and how you anchor yourself to start start the day have a, a really profound impact on you know your health, your digestion, your hormones, and ultimately just how, how you feel uh, throughout the remainder of the day. 
Research suggests that a solid morning routine typically also snowballs into engaging in other health-promoting habits throughout the day. There are so many different supportive habits that you can explore for your morning routine, and ultimately these habits need to feel realistic and genuine for you. But Abby and I decided to kind of break things down into three different categories based on our experience working with clients to kind of help you hit on the key areas that we find are most impactful for starting and ending the day or bookending your days, as, as Abby mentioned. So first up is a mindset outlet. A mindset outlet is a small outlet that you create to start the day where you're really filling up your own cup. And this serves as a way to ground yourself and to kick off the day on the right foot. Our modern world is incredibly stressful, incredibly stimulating. And if we are getting out of bed and jumping into the day, serving others without any time to serve ourselves, this can really dysregulate our hormones and digestion. In terms of mindset outlets, uh, some potential ideas for a morning mindset outlet could look like joyful movement. And Abby and I talked a little bit about this before, you know, hopping on uh, to record this episode in terms of, you know, they're kind of being a fine line with movement being a mindset outlet. Um, So really what we wanted to share with you around movement being a mindset outlet is that this is likely not going to be you know, an intense cortisol stimulating workout class and, you know, movement that is a mindset outlet um, is likely going to be a little bit more gentle, um, a little bit more cortisol friendly and balancing. So this could be a, you know, short guided workout class um, in terms of, you know, gentle Pilates or, you know, a gentle uh, bar class or, you know, something that is just a, a little bit more calming doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, exerting yourself at all, but something that's less stimulating. Maybe it's a quick yoga flow. Um, I'm a huge fan and a lot of my clients really like uh, yoga with Adrienne and she has some really, really amazing uh, free wake up flows um, anywhere from, you know, eight to 15 minutes long that just help you to, you know, gently move your body um, and to really get centered to start the day. Joyful movement could also look like walking and maybe listening to some music that you love, uh, listening to a walking meditation. Um, I'm a huge fan of Insight Timers uh, walking meditations, which can be really nice. Or maybe it's just walking in silence and you know focusing on breathing and you know kind of taking in that time for yourself. Some other ideas might be things like you know stretching. Uh, breath work, journaling, maybe a gratitude journal, reading a few pages of a pleasure book. So ultimately something that is calming the body, calming the nervous system, setting the tone for the day and filling up your own cup to kick things off. Do you have any other morning mindset outlet ideas, Ab? I think that is an amazing list. I mean, I think really allowing yourself to, to, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about this, but it might not be the same thing every morning too. And kind of feeling out like, well, what, what feels really good today? Like for instance, you know, I woke up this morning and it's like rainy and gloomy and gross here in Boston. So I think, you know, anyone that follows us on social media knows that we are like big fans of, of the morning gentle walk. Um, but today did not, I was like, this is not a walk day. I'm not going out there <laughs> at least right now. Not first thing in the morning. That seems icky. 
Um, so it was like stretching and I do everything with like a matcha, like I drink my minerals and then I have my matcha and then that kind of makes it like, Ooh, that's like a magical moment. And then, um, reading kind of a page out of, a kind of an inspiring book, um, and just allowing like a slower morning for myself, which, you know, might not be opportunity for everyone's morning, but just kind of feeling it out, I think is like my biggest guidance for that of allowing yourself to not have to like forcibly like, this is what I do in the morning as my like practice. It's like, Oh, I have this list of things or these possibilities, um, of morning routines. And this is, you know, the one that feels the most interesting and aligned for this morning. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I think anytime we start to approach things with rigidity or like the I have to do this uh, mentality, that's where we typically set ourselves up for failure. And, you know, u- ultimately having a mindset outlet is the goal, whether it's two minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. And we should allow ourselves flexibility to explore what feels genuine and what feels good to your point, Abby. And um, I think with what we're trying to encourage you to do here, it's, it's really protecting the time and bringing the intention to, okay, how can I, you know, fill up my cup this morning and what mindset outlet might feel really good for me today? There's also just a, a book that I've been using more recently for anyone that's like, what? Like, I don't have this, you know, elaborate time in the morning. Like I have two minutes before like my kids are up and all of this. Um, Melody Beattie is an author and she has a book journey to the heart and it's actually dated. Um, so like each day of the year has an, an entry and it's literally a page, maybe a page and a half of a pretty small book. So it's pretty much takes you maybe a minute or two minutes to read. Um, but it has kind of a, a moral of the story, like a kind of a takeaway and a more of a perspective, um, to kind of open up to. And that's a really nice, either using it to then like journal on, if you want to spend a little more time, or maybe that's just, you know, your one little moment, you kind of just take a couple deep breaths before or after. Um, so it could be as simple as that. And there's many books that could fall into that, but I, that's been a fun tool that got introduced to me, um. And I definitely am going to kind of, when I finish this one, like seek out similar because I'm like, ooh, the one to two pages is like just like perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I'm not familiar with that. I need to check check that out myself. Um, I, I know a lot of uh, clients too really love the five-minute journal, mm-hmm. which is kind of a guided way to help you set the tone for the day, you know, t- tap into gratitude, Um but it only takes a couple minutes. And I think the point here being, you know, morning routines, evening routines, they come in all different shapes and sizes. And we never want people to feel bad or guilty if they don't have a lot of time in the morning. Life is life. And we have to work with, you know, within the context of, you know, what is available to you and what's actually realistic for consistency with these things. I find personally, even, you know, if I have a a tighter morning from a time perspective or, you know, can't get out for that morning walk, even just taking a couple minutes to, you know, take a few slow, deep belly breaths and then to write down or set an intention for the day Um, or thinking about how do I want to feel today, especially if there's a big to-do list or more overwhelm and just being able to um, tap into that to, to start the day doesn't sound big in the moment, but it certainly feels big um, as I'm, you know, navigating a, a busy day. And I think a, a little of that too, of like, 
allowing yourself, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this every single day. And then like, you might fall away from it. And then it's like, oh, okay, wait, I really liked doing that. Let me go, let me get back to that. And again, that, that piece of like consistency would be amazing. And yes, if we did bring these things in every day, but just allowing ourselves when we like sometimes forget, it's like, oh my God, I forgot that I wanted to have this grounding morning, like mindset. Um, and just like when it comes back of like, all right, I'm going to put this next to my bed. I'm going to like set my, you know, my little evening station up um, so that when I wake in the morning, it's it's like all there right for me um, and how whatever that looks like or how that is. But something that it just kind of you get the gentle reminder when you wake up that like, oh, this is a practice that that is important to me. Um, and I am going to kind of create the time and just, you know, if I fall off, I fall off and I get back to it when I you know, kind of build those reminders in for myself. Yeah. And that's a helpful reminder in terms of creating the path of least resistance with everything that we're going to talk about today. And there's always trial and error and experimentation involved in that. But I think to Abby's point, changing the environment or um, creating an environment rather that sort of sets you up for engaging in those things more easily is ideal. And we'll likely always lead to more consistency, um, you know, with protecting that, that mindset outlet for yourself. Hey, Jillian here. If you suspect that you might be dealing with hormonal issues based on your symptoms, or you have a confirmed hormonal condition like PCOS, endometriosis, PMDD, or hypothyroidism, chances are you haven't been given the best tools or support to address your hormonal symptoms effectively. I know because I've been there and I've really experienced firsthand just how frustrating it can be to navigate your hormonal health and your chronic symptoms in our conventional healthcare system. But the truth is establishing a supportive foundation with your nutrition and knowing how to confidently nourish your body and your unique needs is the number one place to start for healing your hormones naturally. I am so passionate about hormone health and have really made it my life's mission to provide women with the comprehensive support and tools they need to balance their hormones effectively. This is exactly why I created my self-study program, Eat to Heal Your Hormones. This program walks you through everything you need to know about your hormones, how to assess for patterns of hormonal imbalance, and helps you identify the root causes driving your symptoms. Eat to Heal Your Hormones teaches you exactly how to eat to support your body's unique needs, how to harness the power of functional nutrition to balance your hormones, how to supplement strategically, and how to end confusion and stress around food for good. If you struggle with symptoms like acne, miserable or irregular cycles, head hair loss, weight gain, fatigue, or anxiety, this self-study program is for you. Eat to Heal Your Hormones gives you access to the proven blueprint that I've used to help hundreds of women balance their hormones. This low-cost self-study program is truly the best place to start for healing your hormones naturally. You can access the program using the link in our show notes. So mindset outlet in the morning is our first bucket for an amazing hormone and gut supportive morning routine. Our next bucket is with boundaries around cell phone use. So this is a, a really interesting one that you know has come up a lot more with clients in, in recent years. And Abby and I felt like we 
we couldn't leave this off the list. Um, so in terms of, of boundaries with cell phone use or just really screen screen use rather in the morning, um, according to a recent survey that we found um, through reviews.org, 89% of Americans scroll on their phone within the first 10 minutes of waking up. A different study we found through IDC research found that 80% of smartphone users check their devices within 15 minutes of waking. Stimulation from phone use first thing in the morning, specifically scrolling through social media, seeing text messages, email notifications soon after waking, these things are actually associated with higher rates of stress, anxiety, depression, and reported feelings of overwhelm. It also just makes it more difficult to focus and prioritize tasks throughout the day. When we wake up and we immediately start seeing personal or work messages that we've missed or social media posts from the previous day that we've missed, it immediately makes us feel like we're behind right when we're starting the day, which is not a good feeling for anyone. We rely on our phones for so many things, and many of us use our phones as an alarm. We use it to actually wake up in the morning. So it's very easy, especially if we're keeping the phone on the bedside, to get into the habit of scrolling first thing in the morning or checking messages. But working to adjust habits around morning phone use can be so, so impactful and really make a notable difference with how you feel in the morning and and throughout the rest of the day. Abby and I typically recommend aiming to dedicate 30 minutes of phone-free time first thing in the morning and ideally protecting this time for yourself. So with being mindful of phone use in the morning, you're taking back some time ideally, but you're also reducing that stimulation from messages and social media. Some tips for actually making this shift. If you use your phone as an alarm, consider plugging your phone in on the other side of the room, or maybe consider getting your phone out of the room entirely and using an alarm clock. We are huge fans of the wake-up lights that actually simulate the sun and help us to wake up in a more natural and gentle way, which can be really, really nice. Um, You could also consider putting your phone on do not disturb or airplane mode to avoid notifications coming in first thing in the morning. This is a huge one, I will say, for many of my clients and for me personally, and has made the biggest difference with phone use um, and sort of avoiding some of that unnecessary stimulation first thing when I want to be, you know, focusing on myself and sort of gearing up for the day. So consider airplane mode 30 minutes and give that time back to yourself. Consider dreaming up your ideal morning routine and, you know, think about what you could do with that 30 minutes in the morning. If 30 minutes feels unrealistic or it feels like a lot, start slow and maybe consider blocking 15 minutes of phone-free time in the morning and increase time from there if you're able to. The goal here, again, is really to change your environment, to create the path of least resistance, to support phone-free time in the morning, and to make that phone-free time the default option versus the phone use the default option. And this phone use piece, I find it's, I don't want to say that we we don't take it seriously, but I think just our phones are attached to us, right? It's like another limb. And I don't think many of us realize if that's part of our, our day-to-day routine with phone use first thing in the morning. I don't think many of us realize the impact that it's having until you actually change that. And 
you know, I might even encourage any li- listeners that um, use their phone first thing in the morning to do an experiment. Maybe dedicate, you know, 10 days or two weeks to that, you know, 15 or 30 minutes of phone free time in the morning and see how you feel. See what the ripple effect is, you know, at the end of those two weeks. I am so in the boat with everyone in this. Like Jillian and I were talking about like even strategizing for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug the phone on the other side of the bedroom. I'm going to like, I got myself an alarm clock, which I'm not using as the sound alarm because I don't love it, but the light piece I love. Um, so there's some trial and error of being like, and I've tried a bunch of different things, but I am a creature of like the phone kind of in the morning at night or is like I'll do it really well and then I'll like sneak back to like old habits and then I catch myself and I'm like oh all right we talked about this all right we're gonna so trying new strategies so I feel it with everyone I am gonna do just you saying that like do 10 days I'm like okay I'm gonna start with 10 days as opposed to like this is what we do from now on and it's like oh okay like I kind of like that scrolling in the morning I'm like (laughs) yeah but it's like I don't actually like I could wait 30 minutes to do it but so I feel everyone who's listening that's like, huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. And just yep. thinking of like, well, yeah, another little plug. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring, like, set up my little tools so that I have something else to do in that morning. Well, like, as I do sit, I do like to sit in bed for like 15 or 20 minutes, like right after I wake up, just to like slow wake up. And it's like, but, I, and I like a little activity then. And like, I get to dream up, like, what is my little activity going to be? Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, replacing one habit with a new mm-hmm. habit and one that you're actually excited about. So you're not just, you know, removing the phone and then sitting there twiddling your thumbs and, you know, actually finding something that really serves you and feels feels good in that moment. And I, you know, I, I think we can all relate to with, with any habit, but I think with phone use, which is hard to kind of backsliding into, you know, old, you know, not so health uh, promoting habits, but that's sort of the nature of, being human. And it's nothing to beat yourself up about. I think it's just important to, you know, tap into how you feel and, you know, to consider ways that you can, you know, regroup and start to, you know, shift those habits and solidify really supportive habits. And I, I just know for me personally that my, you know, sort of stress and anxiety levels and, you know, are much higher if I'm, you know, getting stimulated by social media or messages first thing in the morning. And it also really kind of robs me of my ability to be present, I found, where I'm just thinking about all the things. And when I can protect that time, I'm more present with myself. I'm more present, you know, with my husband, with my dog Mowgli. And, you know, it's something that I want to continue, even if it's not perfect. I That last piece, I feel like I very resonate with. Like when when I do practice that like 30 minutes to, you know, an hour on on days, like my optimal days when I like don't really use my phone in the morning, I feel like I check my phone less throughout the day. Cause I like realize like, oh no, life is interesting. Like I'm here, I'm in the moment. Like there's good stuff going on right here. And like, because I'm such a creature of like tapping my phone just to like see if anything, did any, anybody, anything come up in like the magical world of phone land? Um, and most <laughs> of the time the answer is like, you know, nothing, nothing unusual that, um, that is like so compelling that I must check it, but it does pull me very much. And then I'll start, you know, realizing that I'm like not as productive because I'm like touching the phone all the time. But if I kind of create that in the morning, I do feel the ripple effect of it, um, totally more throughout the day. So that is my motivation personally. Yeah, I love it. And I feel like we, we all are in the same, same boat and can relate to this one. So we have our, mindset outlet. We have our boundaries with cell phone use. 
And then we have light regulation as our, our third bucket for a really supportive morning routine. We did an entire episode on circadian rhythms in our first season where we discussed the importance of light regulation for entraining and supporting circadian rhythms and really for supporting optimal gut and hormone health. But we can't talk about morning uh, non-negotiables without mentioning the importance of morning light exposure. If you follow either Abby or myself on Instagram, you have most definitely heard us talk about morning light exposure probably more than you would like. And we both often argue that morning sunlight is easily, easily one of the most underutilized health tools. Sunlight exposure, particularly in the morning hours, is the biggest entrainment factor when it comes to circadian rhythms. And as a refresher, when we absorb sunlight into our eyes in the morning, this serves as an important stimulus for the master clock in our brain that then communicates with peripheral, peripheral clocks throughout the body. This leads to stimulating digestion and motility. It leads to the production of important brain chemicals that you know support and enhance mood. It stimulates energy production. Uh, immune function, thyroid function, and it also uh, actually improves sleep when we get that morning sunlight exposure. So it impacts sleep onset later that day. So morning sunlight exposure, super important and very over overlooked as a, a health tool. But we would encourage you to consider popping outside for even just 10 minutes, if that's all you have, to absorb some sunlight directly into your eyes. Go on a short walk. Sit outside on your porch. If you can't get outside, consider sitting near a very sunny window where you can actually absorb that sunlight into your eyes. If it's super cold out, it's rainy and gray, consider maybe picking up a full-spectrum light box that sort of simulates the sun that you could use indoors. Um, I use one of these. Abby, you you use one as well. Uh, we recommend them to most of, most of our clients, especially in the Northeast um, as the days get shorter and shorter. And there's full-spectrum light boxes that are inexpensive. I really like the Verilux lights. They have all sorts of options, and it's something you can pop on and, you know, have it on for 20 minutes. You can, you know, have that on while you're engaging in your mindset outlet or maybe while you're eating breakfast. And it's a great, great, really supportive way to start the day, um, you know, for gut and hormones specifically. Yeah, I just used my light box this morning because it was so gloomy and I set it up like right at the edge of my yoga mat and I just did like morning stretches and it was like really nice. I love mm -hmm. that. I, I need to get mine out. It I, I'm in uh, South Carolina now and it doesn't get light until after 7 a.m. Oh, that's now. funny. Which is I'm I'm up earlier than that, so I feel like I'm up in the pitch black, and I'm trying to like you know turn all the lights on and wake myself up. I just need to get my my lamp going yeah. again. Okay, and then I lied. We have four categories for morning and evening routines. I said three, I didn't even but catch that. we have four <laughs> very important, uh, you know, out or we have four very important buckets for you know our our bookends in terms of what we want to think about incorporating. So the fourth bucket for the morning is nourishment. So I don't think there has been a single episode that we've done where Abby and I have not mentioned the importance of breakfast or hydration with minerals for supporting hormones and digestion. But in the context of morning routines and non-negotiables specifically, 
we we have to touch on this again because it is just that important. So Abby and I always recommend starting the day with a big glass of water and potentially adding minerals like sodium, potassium, magnesium to support that cellular hydration. Hydration first thing in the morning helps us to replete fluid lost overnight. Uh, we lose like up to a liter of water just through you know respiration and processes in the body overnight. So we wake up very dehydrated. So we replete fluid and this fluid intake also helps with stimulating digestion. Hydrating first thing in the morning actually can increase energy levels, support a healthy metabolism. Remember, even mild dehydration can impact our metabolism and it can even boost and support cognition and mental performance. So consider having some fluid, adding some minerals in there first thing in the morning, ideally before we're having, you know, coffee or food. Starting your day with a well-rounded protein-rich breakfast is the other kind of recommended non-negotiable under this nourishment category, especially, especially for women of reproductive age. Breakfast is easily the most common meal that we see women skipping or neglecting, and and I would say men too often. People just tend to to skip breakfast um, in, in our experience. But breakfast is a really, really important time to refuel and to nourish your body after an overnight fast. When we wake up, our energy stores are depleted. And having that well-rounded breakfast is key for refueling and really setting ourselves up for the day. Eating a balanced breakfast specifically in research is associated with higher energy levels, improved metabolic health, lower levels of stress hormones, particularly in women, better blood sugar control and improved insulin sensitivity, less cravings and snackiness later in the day improved digestion, and better mood. And this is the the data speaking, but I will just say, you know, in practice, we see this make a massive, massive difference with clients um, with just adding in a really, you know, nourishing, supportive breakfast uh, within the first two hours of waking. Your first meal of the day really does have the ability to impact and essentially predict your blood sugar response throughout the remainder of the day, impacting all the things that I just mentioned. So, uh, nourishment is super important. And, you know, a, a, as with everything we're mentioning here, nourishment is going to look a little bit different for everyone. Maybe you're someone that is short on time and you need to prep breakfast in advance or make a quick smoothie that you can take on the go with you. Or maybe you're someone that wants to make and enjoy a slower breakfast and you have the time and the ability to do that. Amazing. No matter what life looks like for you or what your preferences are, we would really encourage you to focus on that nourishment piece and ideally find something that works for you and, you know, to focus on incorporating carbs, protein, healthy fats, fiber first thing. So really nourish that body to, you know, set you up for a successful day. I love breakfast. (laughs) I love breakfast too. It's I, I really, really look forward to breakfast every day. I get very excited. And I think when you start to, if you're someone that like wasn't a breakfast um, eater before, when you start to eat it, if you like miss a day, you can feel, because I feel like I hear this from clients that they're like, now if I like, you know, didn't eat enough or if I like missed it because I just like, you know, fell back in habits and kind of ran out the door, they're like, I feel it. 
And it's like, that was, you know, the reality of what you were living time and time again, but it just felt like, you know, this like roller coaster. And sometimes it's like, you're running on stress hormones in the morning, which does feel like I'm using quotations here, energizing, but it's like, it's energizing to a burnout and a crash later versus energizing in, in a sustainable um, way. A hundred percent. It's, it's false, false energy, right? At the end of the day. And I, I love that you pointed out because your body does adapt to how it's fed. So, you know, we can get used to how it feels to be running on stress hormones or to not have that nourishment. But when we can uh, start to integrate nourishment and maybe it's a slow process to kind of work up to a full breakfast and you're kind of letting your uh, appetite cues restore if you're not hungry in the morning. But it, it typically in our experience is a pretty stark difference in terms of how people feel with breakfast versus no breakfast or a skimpy breakfast. So major. And lastly, we always want to consider, uh, which Abby mentioned, what what makes your morning feel magical. So uh, this kind of speaks to the idea that you have full control here, and you know we would encourage you to explore things that feel good, that feel magical in your morning, um, and really lean into those things. I love that. Well, in the frame of bookends, we're going to talk about your evening. But I just need to make like one little plug because I feel like this is where Jillian and I often hear from clients of like, yeah, I'm like doing my morning, I'm doing my evening, and I just like burn through the middle of my day and like don't eat lunch. Or like lunch just gets pushed off or like bullied around by the rest of the to-dos and like just making a moment here to like call out lunch and like really how important it is to have that like full nourishing kind of balanced plate at lunch as a major regulator of your stress, your hormones, your energy, your quality of sleep, and really just how you feel, the quality of how you feel throughout the day. So I just don't want to don't want to blow through lunch here, people. Yeah, this is of course we we have to go on <laughs> a little, little tangent somewhere. <laughs> this this episode is about the bookends, the non-negotiables, but we got to plug. You do a little plug for lunch. Hey, moment for lunch. <sighs> moment of silence for lunch. I love it. Uh, all right. So evening. So our evening non-negotiable habits are really the initiation steps for creating optimal sleep. And they have a tremendous impact on our resilience to stress. And, you know, we've talked, we have a whole episode on sleep and it is, you know, sleep doesn't start when we just put our head on the pillow. As Jillian pointed out, it actually starts with our morning. And that kind of light exposure and our balanced blood sugar and all of the things. So it's like we really think about it like we're culminating to sleep like right from when we wake up in the morning and just that that rhythmic pattern. So this is what we want to really think about in terms of these buckets are really priming us for optimal sleep and, you know, what doesn't optimal sleep touch in terms of like the many facets of gut and hormone health. It's it's all about it, really. So our kind of similar, same four buckets that we outlined the morning, we've got our mindset outlet. So every night, choose one mindset outlet and a practice that feels aligned for you that night based on your energy, your mood, your time availability, you know, what other pieces might be moving and grooving in your evening. These practices certainly do not have to be elaborate or time-consuming, but they're meant to serve as an outlet to process and organize the mental busyness of the day. So a couple that Jillian and I love are Brain Dump. And we touched on this um, in an earlier episode, and it's really not fancy. Just a piece of paper or a notebook or even the notes section of your phone, but you know, we're 
we're keeping it out of the bedroom, so we're going to do this earlier, <laughs> and just write down everything in that sitting, like a stream of consciousness of what's going on in your brain, just get it out into the page. Um, if you're writing with a pen, that stream of consciousness journaling, even uh, there's a, a practice where you don't even take your pen off of the page. You just like don't even, not even spaces between words. You're just like writing in total gibberish even um, and scribbling down everything that comes out of your brain. No full sentences, no punctuation, no nothing. Really just to get it out because that is a therapeutic practice in and of itself. There's you know amazing research on journaling and just kind of getting things like the processing of of recognizing what's like bumping around in our brain. Um, and it's especially helpful if you are someone that when you put your head down on the pillow, it's like busy brain. You're just like just mulling over all the events of the day or the to-dos for tomorrow um, and really creating lists in the brain. This is definitely a, a helpful practice for you. Or maybe there's a nervous system practice um, where we're kind of making it really simple and it's breath work, like box breathing, where you're inhaling for four seconds, you're holding for four seconds, you're exhaling for four seconds, and then you hold on empty for four seconds. You can imagine like kind of a box with four seconds on each side and you're kind of breathing in that frame um, and really repeating this for like four to seven rounds because our diaphragm is very connected to our, our brain and our perception of safety. And so we're helping to kind of show through the physical body that we are actually in a safe place and it is time to kind of wind down. Um, so we could have that kind of breath work as a nervous system practice. Maybe we're using a guided meditation um, like on Insight Timer or Headspace or one of the other apps that provides, you know, really wonderful quality guided meditations. Um, if just doing plain kind of breath work or meditation on your own doesn't feel like something that's accessible. Or if you're more of a physical person, maybe you're doing some gentle stretching for some physical tension release and kind of getting the last little bit of like energy kind of out of your body. Uh, maybe it looks more like a yin yoga class where you're putting your body into positions and kind of holding it there for two minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes, however long you have, maybe kind of a heart opener or um, other kind of various practices that might feel really good and allow you to kind of sink into them. I feel like Yoga with Adrian probably has like great like yin practices. That's kind of that like slow. Anytime I go to like a yin yoga class, I'm like, oh, it was an expensive nap and it was amazing. <laughs> I will pay for it all the Worth time. Worth every penny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But really like the goal is to make these practices simple and to allow yourself to unwind a little bit from that kind of faster pace of the day before we soften into sleep or as a, a process of softening into sleep. Julie, do you have any practices that you would add to kind of that list? So I I will echo the br the brain dump is so helpful. That's honestly something I've been doing since I was like a teenager and I feel like my my parents got me into that, but I feel like that's that's just a, a very much a non-negotiable for me. Um, but pleasure reading is a, a big one for me. So I I love you know whether it's thirty minutes or ten minutes because I you know start to fall asleep uh, you know after two pages. Um, I love pleasure reading, and I really work to you know, kind of adjust the things that I read in the evening to really make that an outlet that just feels 
pleasurable and relaxing. Um, so I'm not reading, you know, health nutrition focused books. I'm not reading, you know, self-help books. And it really, it's just pure, pure joy, which is really nice for me. Um, the other thing that I like, which I don't do every night, but I do find really helpful when I incorporate it a few times a week is some time on my acupressure mat. I, I actually find that that really helps with, you know, relaxation and uh, kind of helping me wind down for bedtime. Again, it's not something I do every night, but I do find that it's a helpful tool. But I'd say brain dump and pleasure reading are kind of my my go-tos. I love that. I just started to get back into pleasure reading and I was up until like like midnight because I got so into the book. I'm that like, happens to me sometimes dangerous. as well. I'm like, I can't put it down. Totally. <laughs> so, but I, I feel like I'm I'm a big guided meditation. I think I fall asleep to a guided meditation like every single night. Um, because I feel like it's just a nice, it's like the opportunity that I'm like, oh, all right, well, like this is just now the and I I put it like out loud so anyone else that's with me is like, oh, we're all in this together. I'm like, ha, yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, Abby here. I wanted to check in with you all about your gut health foundations. As you know, we talk a lot about the importance of practicing the foundations as the first place to start in your health journey. But what I hear from working with many of you is that you could use even more specific guidance on how to personalize those foundations to address your gut health. If you're struggling with bloating, constipation, loose stools, gas, or other frustrating digestive symptoms, I know how overwhelming navigating through conflicting and even extreme health guidance can be. That is why I created the Nourish Gut Guide, a self-paced course that guides you in personalizing the essential foundations that must exist to heal your gut symptoms. This $200 course is meant to be your start to finish resource before you waste countless hours Googling elimination diets, spending hundreds on supplements, or even investing thousands in functional testing. After all, I've seen it countless of times in clients that when you master your gut health foundations, those additional expenses aren't even needed. Or if and when they are, the process is so much more successful when you do. So join us inside of the Nourish Gut Guide to discover how to practice the foundational steps using the tools you already have access to, to eliminate your poop problems and build long-term resilient gut health. So continuing with our buckets, we've got boundaries with our phone. So hard boundaries with our cell phone at night. Let's start with like the most basic and then we're going to work to the most optimal because I'm, I'm in this boat as I've shared with all of you. So most basic, no cell phone use in bed. A recent 2022 study shows that smartphones when used in bed had a greater detrimental impact on decreasing sleep quality than using the phone before bed. So, which is really interesting, that like kind of difference between the two, seemingly subtle, but pretty significant. Um, so this might be, again, plugging the phone in across the room. So we're decreasing the temptation to just, you know, oh, just, I'm just gonna check one more, one more thing, that's me. I'm like, oh, just, I just wanna see what's happening over here. Oh, nothing new, and then I'm stuck there for, you know, five minutes, like just making sure that there, I didn't miss anything. So that physical kind of separation can be really helpful. And like the saying of like, okay, now I'm in bed and it's no more phone. And, you know, maybe we put our alarm on if we're using our phone, we've, we've set our alarm like a, an hour before. So it's not even the temptation of like, oh, I just need to set my alarm. And then I'm just going to check this one, this one thing because something popped up or what have you. And we're in, you know, airplane mode or do not disturb, whatever that is. 
So transitioning to what would optimal be, uh, optimal would really be turning our phone off or um, putting it, you know, away, maybe on that do not disturb on airplane mode, which mode you prefer for a full one to two hours before your bedtime or even earlier. Um, Maybe it starts at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. in the evening so that you're really creating this built-in disconnected time so that you're able to really reconnect and recharge. And maybe you're using that time for your mindset outlet, spending time with your loved ones or just winding down from, you know, without the, the busyness of your phone and the kind of pulling back into that like kind of connected world. Those are, you know, in a, in a perfect world. I feel like my, my trainer was sharing with me that he like everything gets set up. He's like, my phone is like in its stand, like on the do not disturb. The alarm's already set by like 7 PM. I was like, wow, that's really, you're really structured. Like, like, like there are goals. Those are goals. I was like, we're not wired the same, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get there. But that's inspirational. I totally. Sure. I was Thank like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I can do this too. I can. I can be a grown yeah. up. <laughs> I love that. All right, being the night, we've got our bucket of light regulation. So this one kind of go hands in hand with like phone use. Um, but in today's twenty first century world, like we no longer experience darkness once the sun goes down. That's the reality. Rather, it becomes more of a focus around protecting ourselves from light um, and official, uh, more specifically, artificial light and creating more darkness is going to be the the energy of what we're looking to do. Because in order for our body to produce our most supportive sleep hormone, melatonin, our eyes must register that it's dark. So Our focus around our nighttime routine in terms of our light regulation is around that kind of creating darkness, in particular when we think of the stimulating blue light that gets emitted from artificial lights, technology, iPads, phones, televisions, all of the things that that we utilize, even the lights overhead in our homes. So how do we kind of create this darkness? Well, reducing blue light from the indoor lights. We're maybe shutting off or dimming our overhead lights, maybe transitioning to turn on lamps, uh, which is really interesting because the lamps being more at like eye level actually mimic sunset and can kind of help to transition the body, registering where that light's coming from, more of the, you know, mimicking kind of nature's dropping of, uh, of the light line when sunset happens. We might have a hard cutoff time for technology like TV or tablets or phone. Again, really recommending like at least one hour before bed so that we have that kind of no, very focused stimulation um, and able to just allow our body to kind of adjust. Your nighttime routine really might even start with like an evening walk after dinner. Um, or around that sunset time. Obviously, in New England in the winter, that sunset time's like 4.30 p.m. So (laughs) we might have to change based on the season. (laughs) But what's interesting, uh, the Huberman, who, you know, really specializes in kind of all things light exposure, talks about an evening walk and kind of watching the sunset as you're like buying you more Netflix time. Um, And actually having that very overt kind of 
adjustment or watching of like the sunset and kind of allowing our eyes to be out in a, a darker environment kind of buys us a little bit more perception in our bodies that if we do, you know, watch a watch a show at night, still wanting to turn that television off like an hour or so before bed, but we're getting a little bit, we're kind of buying ourselves a little bit more influence in our positive influence in our circadian rhythm. So he, he calls that our, our Netflix. I think he has like a saying for it. I'm kind of forgetting what that is. It, it makes sense. It's more, it's a little bit more flexibility. Like we talk about metabolic flexibility or improving, you know, resilience on a, on a healing journey. I, I, I actually haven't, you know, heard him say that or kind of listened to, um, that component of things with him, but it makes sense to me with hearing you say that. And I, I think it's a nice way to also just, again, reiterate or point out that, you know, it's, it's not that you're going to go live in a log cabin and have, you know, kind of navigate by candlelight and, you know, see the stars every night. Um, we, we have to be realistic, but there's ways and tools and strategies that you can intentionally support, you know, your body and your hormones, your digestion, and still, you know, enjoy watching a show at night. And, you know, so I like that. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have these tools and, um, you know, thinking about even blue light glasses, like these are a tool. Do they make it, you know, so that we can, you know, watch the show in the evening and, you know, wearing these after 7 PM, um, can be really helpful to protect a little bit more against that kind of blue light. Those are what blue light blocking glasses do. Um, Again, they're just tools. They don't make it that like you're not exposed to any stimulating light or anything like that, but it can help us to say like, hey, let me enjoy my show and still, you know, have more um, alignment with my like circadian rhythm. Um, you might even explore using like red light bulbs um, in your like bedroom or salt lamps in your bedroom that are kind of that lower, they have a much lower emission of blue lights, that stimulating light to kind of um, reduce the stimulation that we're getting. I think Jilly, you, do you guys use those in the bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've been using them for a few years and it's nice. You can actually adjust them, but the, it, it makes such a difference. It's like really very much, um, it's like a nice, nice little ambiance, but it, it, when I go into our bedroom in the evening and there's, you know, the red light on and you walk in there, it's immediately like, ah, this is sort of like my, you know, calming sleep environment, but there's obviously a science to it as well in terms of the type of light, the level of light, the positioning. Um, and I, I find that it does make a really big difference. Yeah. I've, I've actually thought I have dimmers on my like lights, um, in my bedroom, but I think about it like every night I like, like put them on low and I'm like, I should just make these red lights. Um, yeah, <laughs> should be yeah. like Jillian, make these red lights. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually, I will, I have to give credit where credit's due. That's actually something that Andrew like got and, you know, changed out and sort of invested in a few years ago. And I was like, Oh, you listen. Yeah. No. <laughs> proud husband moment. <laughs> yeah. So proud. <laughs> He's a good guy. And our last bucket in our evening is our nourishment. So we like to use dinner as the transition into the evening. So if we like start to think about dinner in this way, like once dinner's enjoyed, it's signaling like the start of our calming practices. So that like post dinner is like the runway to your bed and everything you do from there forward should be like taking those gradual steps to like put your head onto the pillow. And I feel like it's just a nice like perspective to kind of shift into like, oh, I ate dinner and now I'm just like cruising. And I'm kind of like on like the downhill slope um, of, you know, 
calming before bed and some of the practices that we can kind of start to even like nudge ourselves even closer are things that really make us kind of feel more at calm or more more calm and more kind of at like peace. We can further that with like herbal teas. If you're someone that likes to drink tea in the evening or find that you're like kind of experiencing some of that like busy mind, just needing a little bit more support to calm, um, using teas like chamomile or lemon balm, even ginger to soothe like digestion. If you're someone kind of experiencing like some bloating or distension after dinner, um, or there's a lot of like tea blends, even like the sleepy time tea blend is actually like a pretty legit blend <laughs> in terms yeah, of, it yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> I like have some clients that use it. Um, are there any like specific actually tea blends? I feel like you might have a good answer for that. I actually, I really like Gaia herbs has a, a great uh, you know, Nervine blend for, I think it's called sleep and relax tea. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. And it includes uh, a lot of great Nervines. I think it also has like passion flower, valerian, um, but that's a great one. And then the traditional medicinal ones is another great oh, Those one. are like just great tea companies like all around. Yeah. Jillian and I love a magnesium drink before bed that kind of calms. I mean, magnesium is one of those kind of three major macro minerals um, but it's particularly just really nice and calming in the evening. Um, and especially for that kind of like busy mind, uh, mag soothe is a specific one from jigsaw that we like. It's a powder. It has a little bit of like a tart raspberry flavor to it. So it's kind of enjoyable. Um, but I feel like it also is just this like ritual practice. It's like, okay, well I drank my magnesium drink. So like then it's it, now it's bedtime, like <laughs> very like I'm over. So yeah. Um, yeah. Beeline for <laughs> totally. bed. Totally. <laughs> it's like when you see me with that drink, you're like, she is business and on her way to bed. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And Nourishment from a food perspective, really we want to be like eating a dinner that represents, you know, our balance plate. We've got our protein, our serving of carbohydrate. We love a starchy plant here, um, some fiber, some healthy fats, like this well-rounded dinner ideally is keeping us like nice and satisfied and promoting balanced blood sugar throughout the night. But if you're hungry leading up to bed, like responding to your evening hunger when appropriate and in an appropriate way that that can really help to help to support sleep. Um, so we talked a lot about fueling for optimal sleep in, in episode seven. Uh, but some of the quick ideas that we kind of shared in that episode for like an evening snack, if you are feeling, you know, maybe dinner was at like six or six thirty PM and you're going to bed at like nine 30 or 10, like you just might be hungry by that point. So, um, if that is something you need support, thinking of like a piece of fruit with nut butter, bone broth, um, tart cherry gelatin gummies, dates and or nut seed butter, berries and cinnamon and ground flax. So some of these like kind of simple, easier to digest foods, things that kind of kind of take the edge off of that hunger. And then really coming back to that question for yourself of like, what's going to make your evening feel magical? Um, just like we asked ourselves for the morning. So you make the rules that work for you. And you get to choose what practices feel supportive for you based on that day. And the most important part is that you do something for yourself that you enjoy. And you, you know, you might even make a list of these, of all the things that you can do in like both your morning and your evening. So if you open it up and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I doing tonight? Or what am I doing tomorrow? Especially as it's new, you can just like open that list up and kind of choose what feels like most kind of inspired inspiring for you um, where you're at in that evening. Sometimes that kind of works, especially as we're like maybe getting new habits here. Um, 
just some ideas. I love all of those ideas. And I feel like all of our listeners have just some good options, some good things to explore moving forward, both for, you know, morning, morning and evening routines. And with all of the, you know, different uh, habits and strategies that Abby and I have been outlining here, we really want to drive home the fact that the purpose of defining your non-negotiables is absolutely not to perpetuate that all or nothing mentality or black and white thinking, which I think we've alluded to throughout this entire episode. But just to say it really explicitly, we're not trying to create more rigid you know, rigidity in, in your life. Um, so that's not the purpose of non-negotiable habits. And to, to review, these non-negotiable habits are small. They are supportive. They're small supportive habits or behaviors that make you feel really amazing physically and mentally. You get to determine what these habits are and how you want to prioritize and protect time for these things in your daily schedule. But Abby and I wanted to, you know, provide you with those buckets uh, for what we do find, you know, clients really uh, find helpful at the end of the day. So you have a starting point as you're, you know, working to build out your non-negotiable bookends for supporting gut and hormones. As we've mentioned, the habits might look different every day. Um, They might look the same every day. And it's really important to do what feels good for you. When it comes to these non-negotiable habits. There are a few kind of key benefits that we feel there are to actually defining these as non-negotiable habits. When we determine and and sort of define these non-negotiable habits, we are immediately bringing more intention to the behaviors, the habits, and how they make us feel. And it gives us the ability to get really clear on the specific things that serve our bodies and that make us feel good personally, rather than just kind of doing things arbitrarily, you know, without intention or because someone else said it was good for you. So ultimately we're bringing awareness to the behaviors, the habits, and how they make us feel personally. This is how we create sustainable purpose-driven habits that are relevant to our own, you know, personal health and personal circumstance. Non-negotiable habits also really, uh, really support the idea of self-integrity. Self-integrity in this context refers to our ability to follow through on our commitment to ourselves and to act in alignment with our values and goals. These actions, these behaviors are actually how we bring our values and our goals to life. This is how we show up for ourselves at the end of the day. So defining these non-negotiable habits can be really supportive and it's ultimately a commitment to yourself. And we live in a world where we often prioritize everyone else first, right? And this is how we can reprioritize ourselves in small ways, um, create more alignment with our actions, our goals, what we want to see with our, our health and healing. Um, and really, you know, it's a commitment to ourselves at the end of the day. Thank you for listening to the Your Body Has Your Back podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and make sure to share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think might benefit from listening. Make sure to follow the Your Body Has Your Back Instagram and to share your favorite episodes. And definitely tag us as you start to live out the Your Body Has Your Back lifestyle. We can't wait to see it. If you're looking for more support on your gut and hormone healing journey, connect with Abby and I over on Instagram. 
You can follow Abby at Above Health, and you can follow me, Jillian, at Jillian Greaves RD. Thank you and see you in the next episode.